Isn't it great to be back in church? Oh my gracious, let's just give the Lord a hand again. Let me say to those that are not here, number one, I was thinking about this this morning when Dr. Knight walking early. Uh, numbers of our members feel that it's just not right best for them at this time to get back in a crowd. Let me say this to you. We thoroughly understand that. And the important thing is God knows your heart. And even though you may not be physically here this morning, in your heart you are. And in God's sight, I believe that is what matters. I'll tell you another thing I was thinking about those watching as we were walking this morning. I began to think about some of our old time members that never miss church that some for several years have not been able physically to come to church. They come every Sunday on streaming. They worship with us, but they can't come in the building. And I thought to myself, you know, we've missed 12 Sundays, and it just seemed like the worst thing in the world. I was thinking of some of our faithful old-timers this morning that have missed like several years Even this week, I got a card from one of those families, and I thought, my gracious, they're no longer able to get out and do what they used to. So I want to just say to you, God knows your heart, and even though you may not any longer be able to physically come to church, spiritually you come every time, and we thank God for you in a wonderful way. Let's just give that group a little hand. Can we do that? Well, late yesterday afternoon, Oh, maybe 6 30, 7 o'clock. I, I, Donnie and I came down here and came in the worship center and turned on the lights and, and sat on the very front row. And uh, knowing that she wouldn't be able to be here today, I still wanted to be with her and pray with her in the room for today. We had a great little prayer meeting on the front row of the church, praying that God would just bless everything about this day. And then, of course, we kind of went out that way and looked at all the things that had been done and just thanked the Lord for it. Now this morning, when we woke up, uh, Dottie said, are we going to walk this morning? I think we should. Had she not added that, I think we should, I don't think we would. But she said, I think we should. And she was right, and we did. And uh, before we even got out to walk, I had this feeling inside of me Today, I get to go back to church and see the people and preach my sermon, and I had a feeling that I thought, this must be the feeling the psalmist had when he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Isn't that a great verse? I'm telling you, Psalm 122, verse number one, you may want to mark that in your Bible. Now, this morning, you do not have a printed bulletin for obvious reasons. We don't want to be doing anything could cause someone to pick up a germ, but I encourage you, if you've never done so before, on our church webpage every Friday uh, sometime in the afternoon, they put the Sunday bulletin up, and you can pull it up on your computer. You can print it off, and uh, knowing that you do not have a bulletin this morning here, there are no blanks for you to fill in, etc., but I have uh, organize hopefully the PowerPoint that'll come up so you, if you want to take some notes, you can as we journey along. Now, let me just kind of little brief history of these past uh, these past weeks. On Sunday, March 8th, morning, John preached. Evening, I preached. And it was a good day in the church. And we leave here and had 
no idea <laughs> that we would not be back until the first Sunday in June. Well, on the 16th, of course, 15th was our first Sunday to not be here. We streamed. But on the 16th, that Monday, uh, I met late in the afternoon with all the ministers. We just gathered together. Uh, and we scattered out a little bit, but we were still in the same room. And I said to them, as I thought through what we're in, having no idea uh, what is ahead and still don't. But I said, I feel like what we need to do is we need to do everything we can to make church as normal as possible. And I think if you ask any minister, they would say the goal that the pastor put before us was to do everything we can during these weeks, however long they will be, that church will be as normal as possible, which is really a challenging goal to make church as normal as possible. You don't even have church in the building. But in that meeting, some things evolved. And then from that meeting, uh, many other things evolved. You've seen many of them, of course, streaming. Uh, you know, that streaming was not new, but what we had to do was new. Uh, for example, the music, uh, it was recorded like on one day or a night, and then John and I would come at a different time so we could social distance each other. So when we did what we did, there were no music people here. It was just us. <laughs> it was horrible, really. It was us, the media people. And when John would preach, I would sit there, and Jimmy would sit over here. And I noticed, John, he never stayed for the whole sermon. Did you notice that? He slipped out somewhere during that sermon. I hung in all the way. But I was welcoming guests. There were none here. Take it up the offer. Nobody here to give. So it was, but when you put it all together, it came across in a beautiful way. Another thing that came from that meeting was the little uh, Corona Bible verses, that little booklet that we prepared, and then you could pull that up online. That was something that came out of that meeting. Uh, the praying at 8 o'clock at night came out of that meeting. Probably one of the best things, my judgment that came out of that meeting, was the idea to call every member home in our church, every resident member. There are over 8,000 resident members. Now, that doesn't mean there are 8,000 homes. Some homes have four, three, two, whatever. But we said, look, if we just can call the people. And Pam Deshaun and her group put together a wonderful way. And each Monday, we have received our calls. In fact, here's my little corona, uh, coronavirus calls, a little notebook. I kind of put that together. But here, and, and I say to you, Pam, I felt, gave me more calls than others. I can't get anybody else to tell me. But, I mean, she bombarded me with calls. I want to give a testimony. It's one of the best things I've ever done as a pastor. I talk to people that I've talked to seldom. I learned things I did not know. You say, what did y'all do? Well, hopefully you received one of those calls. And each week we'd get a different group so we didn't keep calling the same people, the ministers. Listen, we'd just call and I'd just say, well, this is a pastor. And uh, I just want to call and see how you're doing. And I'd listen to what they say, and, and, uh, and then it kind of opened a conversation in some homes and others. It was a brief conversation. And what I would do, I would just, at the end of that, I would just say, well, now what I would love to do, like to do, I'd like to just have a prayer with you. And on numbers of those calls, the people would respond by saying, could you wait just a moment? We want to put our phone on speaker. 
And we want to get our kids together, the family together, and you just pray over our entire family. So to me, this has been one of the very finest things that we've done. Another thing, of course, is I began, uh, I, I made me a little folder. Every email, everything I've written about what we are trying to do, need to do, whatever, I've made copies of it. And I have it in a little folder that says, coronavirus stuff. And Dottie saw this one day at home, and she said, what, what is this folder? I said, well, let me show it to you. And I said, everything I've written, everything I've done, every meeting I've been in about this, I've, I'm saving copies of it. And she asked the most insightful question. She said, what on earth are you going to do with the folder? I thought a moment, and I said, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do with it, Dottie. I'm going to give it to John. And say, John, one day I'll not be here, and if, God forbid, another one of these things comes, do whatever you want to with it, but that's what your daddy did. And, uh, you know, it's just, a, it's just an effort to do, to do something. Well, now, that's the history. Now we're in the present. Here's our new goal. Remember, goal one was what? Goal one was to make church as normal as possible. That's goal one. Now goal two. Well, goal two has three parts to goal two. You might think that a preacher would do that, three points. Well, goal two, number one thing in goal two, this is our present goal. This has been what we've been doing to get ready for today, is to prepare our buildings to be as germ-free, as humanly possible when the people come back. And I want to stop a moment on that and say, all the staff worked hard on that. I would not dare start saying, I mean, trust me, God knows how hard the staff has worked on that. But Pam Deshawn has been our quarterback. We have a girl quarterback, and she is a task master. I'm telling you what. But she and all the other staff have worked so hard, like Week before, a professional company came and they sprayed this entire building, the chapel, all the restrooms that you'll go in, and Grace Center. And for two days, no one could come in any of those rooms. And so at the end of those two days, then like we were, we were, we were in great shape. I said to the 930 group this morning, you are in now. The most, you came into the most germ-free room anywhere, but you brought germs with you. But let me tell you the good news. The row you're sitting on, no one sat on that row the last hour. All these rows changed between services. Not only that, all of our housekeeping people came back in and we sanitized everything again here today. So that's just one of our things is to prepare our buildings as best they can be prepared to be germ-free. Now, the number two part of this goal, our present goal, is to get the people back in the church house, in the church building. And we have started that this morning. And it's going to be a, a journey <laughs> longer than we probably think before we ever get back to whatever a new normal will be, not just in church, but in our whole country. But we've done that. 
And then goal three is what I want to talk about in my sermon this morning. This is the third part of this goal. And that is to get the church back on track. We are off track, just like every business has been off track. We are off track. Now, off track, we've still ministered to people. We've called people. We've buried people. We've comforted families the best we can. Much of our ministry has been by telephone. But, so we've been doing a lot of things that we should be doing. But hear me, folks. What God put the church in the world to do, yes, those things are part of ministry. But the task of the church is to tell people about Jesus Christ. And in these past 12, 13 weeks, like there are people that have not been saved that probably would have been saved. Maybe some have been saved that would not. I don't know that. But I want to talk to you this morning just for a few minutes about getting the church back on track. And if you'd open your Bible, please, to the Gospel of Mark in chapter number 4. We're going to look at this parable that Jesus told. He calls it the parable of the sower. And you read that back. He names it. This parable is found in Matthew, it's found in Mark, it's found in Luke. Uh, we're looking in Mark. And in Matthew's record of this parable, Jesus himself calls it the parable of the sower. I'm focusing this morning on the sower. I'm not getting an interpretation of the parable. I'm focusing on the sower. But look with me just a moment. In Mark chapter 4 and verse 1, the Bible says again, Jesus began to teach by the sea. And a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat on the sea, and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then Jesus taught them many things by parables. You might underline that word, parables. Parables, it was a Jewish rabbi method of teaching. Jesus did not invent parables, but he was a master at telling parables. Well, here he tells one. He said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away, and some seed fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up and increased and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, some a hundred. Now, we'll stop our reading there. Later, you may go over in verse 13 and follow it, and Jesus explains the parable. But I want us to focus in our little time today about getting the church back on track. And where it begins, it begins with the first element in this parable. Now, you may want to make a little note. There are three elements in this parable. You see the very first one in verse number three. Element number one is the sower. Element number two is the seed. And element number three, the soils. So this parable, what is a parable? Well, a parable, bottom line, is simply an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. In other words, the Bible records 39 parables that Jesus told. They're all in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. 
No parables in John. Yet everything the gospel of John tells us in the last verse in the gospel, everything Jesus did is not recorded. He said, if it were, the, 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 the books of the world couldn't contain it. The world couldn't contain the books it would take. But what the Bible does have, it has 39 of Jesus' parables. This is one of them. And it's, it's the parable of the sower. And so you have these three elements. You say, well, now what do these three elements represent? Well, the sower, very simply, represents what every Christian should be. We all should be sowers. And we know that. And sometimes people, the devil dumps guilt on us. And, you know, I'm not doing as good here as I should do. I doubt any of us are doing as good as we should do. But be that as it may, the sower represents what every Christian should be. You say, what does the seed represent? The seed represents the Word of God. If you look in Luke, in his record of this parable, in Luke chapter number 8, in verse 11, read it later. Luke says the seed is the Word of God. Well, Jesus said that. Luke records that. The seed is the Word of God. Okay? The seed is the Word. That is the written word and the living word. So what are we to sow? We're to sow the word of God, the message, the gospel, Jesus. That's what we're to sow. We're not to show about, sow about to the church or the activities or all these kind of things. You know, we often, we spend so much time talking about the wrapping, we never do talk about the gift. The gift is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the seed. He's the living seed. The word of God is the written seed. So that's what the seed represents. And you say, well, what do the the soils represent? They represent human hearts and their receptivity to the Word of God. You find the different soils. Some did not receive the Word of God for one reason, some for another, some for another. Jesus explains that when he explains the parable. But he says, thanks be to God. Some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold, which is absolutely unbelievable. Now, let's think a moment about the sower. You know, as I thought about getting the church back on track, I said, now, how do we do that? Well, we go back to do what God told us to do, the reason he put the church in the world. This is our main job, telling people about Jesus. In the many different ways we can do that, yet that is our main job. But there are three things omitted in this parable about the sower that I think are very important, and I think they're very encouraging. Number one, the personality of the sower is not mentioned. It just, as the Bible says, a sower. Jesus said, a sower went out. We know nothing about the personality of this sower. I think Satan convinces, almost handcuffs, many sincere, good Christian people from sharing Christ, from sharing their testimony, from sharing how to be saved, from sharing the seed, because, and they're honest about it, they say, I just don't have a personality to do that. I'm not one of those kind of people. When I walk in a room, I don't just take over the room. I'm not an outgoing person. I wouldn't, I'm uncomfortable. I just, I'm not qualified to do that. Listen, it's, the power is not in the personality. 
The power is in the person of Jesus Christ. Could I have an amen to that? The power is in the Word, not what the preacher thinks about the Word, not some idea about the Word. The power is in the Word. And when you preach the Word, when you share the Word, when you, when you share the gospel message, there just is a power about that that the Holy Spirit takes and does with it that which is remarkable. So I encourage you, don't let your personality. Here's what I've observed in all these years when it comes to this matter, is that the best, most consistent people in sharing Christ, in sharing how to become a Christian, in talking to people about the gospel message, generally speaking, are not the people that are the most outgoing people. They're the more kind of laid back people, kind of quieter people. Now, they, I'm not saying they never talk, but I'm saying that person that has the unusual gift of gab, just there's a charisma about them. Well, over the long haul, that charisma will fizzle because the power is not in the charisma of you and me. And I shared a story in the very first service. I'm not going to share in this service because of time, but it, I, I, where I was training two people in evangelism in, in, a, in a church, and one was a nurse and another was in a sales profession, and they just had a remarkable personality. They could sell a refrigerators to an Eskimo. But yet, that nurse, who was much more laid back, much quieter, as we went through those 16 weeks of of going to homes every week, we'd have classroom setting, then we'd go out and actually make our visits. That nurse was far more effective. Now, the, the, the other person loved the Lord equally so, but the other person had such a gift of personality, they never could quit talking about what they wanted to talk about to get into what we'd come to talk about. Does that make sense? And uh, the nurse... She, she just kind of stayed with the word, and she was very, very effective. So I encourage you, don't you let Satan make you think because your personality is not as outgoing as someone else's personality. Listen, if you're saved, you have a testimony. Start there and limit it to about two minutes. Don't tell them about your great-grandmother, your grandmother, just, just, you know, just a couple of minutes of your own salvation testimony, and then you can share. Well, another thing that's omitted in this parable that I think is very, very important, and that is the method of the sower. No mention is made. It just says, a sower went out to sow. And then it says he put through some seed here and there and yonder and over there, but it, it doesn't tell what method he used. Now, Let's think about that as it relates to what you and I need to be doing as we sow. There is no right method and wrong method. Now, when I began as a minister, in fact, growing up as a boy, I was saved under the method of the old Roman road. I'll not ask you to raise your hands. You'd be giving away your age. That's the, I say, oh, okay. Well, even in my young ministry, uh, that was just the method we used. And then later on, some people came along and said, you know, there's got to be a better way to talk to people about being saved than this. And that evolved the four spiritual laws, Billy Graham's have make peace with God and other. 
And, and the difference was the old Roman road just started out basically telling people they were lost and going to hell. It's not a real good way to begin a conversation. Well, the four spiritual laws starts out telling people that uh, God loves you and has a plan for your life. Now, it, it gets to what the old Roman road teaches. It's just kind of a different way of presenting Look, I have seen people saved with the Roman road. I've seen people saved with the four spiritual laws. I've seen people saved with other methods and no methods as long as the gospel is presented. And, and what, whatever method is there, we have to deal with sin and we have to deal with repentance. Friday, we had a funeral here uh, for Joy Crago. Joy and James, he'd gone to be the Lord previous very faithful members of our church. Her, her, her daughter, Amy Gladish, Dr. Ms. Gladish, they, they moved and still they love this church and they wanted to have the service back here. We did. And I had part in it and John uh, preached the main part in it, but be that as it may, uh, I'm sitting there listening to him do what he does. And, and I'm thinking, I know what I'm going to preach today. It's obviously on Friday. Well, he starts telling a story about her first husband was killed in an accident long years ago and left her a single mother of two little children, Amy and her brother. And here's Joy. And four or five years later, God brought her and she and James together. And then they were married like 35, 40 years, whatever. But be that as it may, while she was a single mother, John's telling this story. One, one night, Amy's brother said to his mother, Joy, Mom, I, I want to know how to be a Christian. And Joy didn't know how to tell him. But she grabbed her Bible and opened it up, and inside of the Bible, there was a little track, the old Roman road. And she just read the Roman road to her son, and end of the story, he prayed and received Christ. Well, Amy is in another room in the house. She's overhearing this conversation. So she comes in and said, Mom, I was listening to what you told my brother, and I want you to talk to me about that. And she just read the old Roman road again, and Amy Gladish was saved. Now, there's more to that story, but I must stop that story for this point. Here's the point I make. I'm here listening to John tell how Two children were saved with the old Roman road. And, uh, well, i tell you what, I'll add real quickly. What's interesting is at the time that happened, the mother, Joy herself, was not saved. She belonged to the church. But she took them in bed later and got in her bedroom. And the Spirit of God spoke to her heart and said, look, you, you need to do what your kids just did. And she took the Roman road and prayed it herself. So I say that to say this. The method is not the issue. The issue is the message. Could I have an amen to that? Just share the seed. Just sow the seed. Now, one other quick thing that's omitted in, in this uh, parable. There's nothing about this person's profession. Nothing about their profession. It just says a sower. You say, well, obviously a farmer. <laughs> hey, you don't have to be a farmer to sow, sow seed. Anybody, we all sow seed from time to time. But no mention. What does this say to me? 
it says every mother, father, grandmother, grandfather, not only ministers and missionaries and, 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 and church leaders, it, every one of us, we have a congregation out there. You have a congregation. They may be your friends. You may be in some organization with them. You have some kind of connection with them. I'm saying to you, you need to understand that if you will just sow the seed, and here's the good news. I want to end on the good news. I began saying that the sower, that every Christian should be a sower. And so that kind of makes us all feel guilty. Well, don't do that. Don't let the devil do that. But here's the good news. You ready? Every Christian can be a sower. That's the good news. All, all you have to do is just sow the seed. Now, many times, just like in this parable, like seed was sown here, did no good. Seed here, did no good. Seed here, did no good. But all oh, seed here. See, here's the deal. Whether you're preaching a sermon or you're sharing with someone about Christ or you're going through the four spiritual laws or the Roman road or whatever method you want. Here's the, you, you don't know the condition of their heart. You know, Paul said it well. Paul said, I planted the seed. Apollos came along and watered it, but God gave the increase. So, you see, we never know. Our job is just to sow the seed. And you may sow seed, that in years later, someone else will come along and they'll be responsible for the harvest. Or someone else may have sown seed and you come along and start sharing the gospel message, sharing about Christ, and that seed has taken hold and you will experience the harvest. See, we just never know. It's like preaching a sermon. In a moment, I'm going to give an invitation to be saved. I have no idea in this room who might need to be saved. Even with the crowd we have this morning, there are people here that need to be saved. People watching by uh, online need to be saved. You may be like Joy. You belong to a church. So did she. But she didn't belong to Jesus. And so I've sown the seed. But God is the God of what? Increase. I don't feel any pressure about that. When you share Christ, when you sow the seed, they're not accepting or rejecting you. Look, don't let the devil put that pressure on you. Our job is just sow the seed. Sow the seed. And God is the God of the increase. Well, I want you to bow with me this morning. Every head bowed, if you would. Some here this morning, or some watching this morning, would have to be truthful and say, you know... I'm not sure I've really ever had a personal experience with Jesus. You may have belonged to a church 40 years or more. You may have belonged to a church 10 years or less. I have no idea. But the question is, has there been a time in your life where you have realized that you were a sinner and you asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and forgive you of your sins and make you a Christian? And if you say, Pastor... I'm not 100% sure. Then would you pray this prayer? Say, Lord Jesus, I must be 100% sure on this. Life is too fragile, too uncertain, 
I mean, God, I, I, I want to go to heaven when I die. I want to know you. I want to be saved. I want to have the Holy Spirit living in me to, my, to be my counselor, my guide, and my helper, and my encourager, and my strength. I'm asking you, God, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Make me a Christian. Now, you might say, I've, I, I think I've prayed that before, but I'm not sure. Okay, just say that prayer in your heart to God and say, God, thank you today that I've settled, I've settled my salvation. Now, others of you this morning, watching and in the room, maybe what God's saying to you today, you need to join the church. You need to join the church. You need to help the church get back on track. Others this morning, you may be saying, I think what God wants me to do is follow in my baptism. Father, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you that you're the God of the increase. And thank you, dear God, that for those today who've spoken to you, we have a way to connect with them. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now look up here a moment. We can't have a come forward invitation. And we're going to be like this for only God knows. I don't know. But we're not going to just sit around here and do nothing while we wait on whatever to happen happens. So we've put together a way. If you're in the room or you're watching, matters not. Either way. And you this morning made a decision to trust Jesus for your salvation, to be baptized, or to join the church. Here's what you can do. And now watch, write this down. It'll be on the screen. If you'll just connect with us by pulling up fbp.org slash connect. There it is on the screen. I'm looking at it. fbp.org slash connect. There'll be a little form come up. And you will let us know of your decision and you'll be giving us a contact number. Now listen very carefully. If you do that today, if you do that today, today, you will be contacted by one of us as ministers of the church. If, I mean, if, you, if, if we miss you this afternoon, we'll chase you down tonight on the telephone, okay? And we will talk with you about what you feel. And we will, on the telephone, we will go to the next step. We'll then be able to send you some things and start helping you get connected in what God has next for you until we can move to what is next for us. So I'm encouraging you today, look, or if you have something else you want to share with us, maybe you have a need, something you need us to pray about or talk with you about, you send that to us, fbp.org slash connect. And um, I, think, I think, Pam, is it my office that's giving these out or your office? my office okay all this is coming to my office and lisa allen will distribute all these to all of us as different ministers father i pray even though it's different i pray dear god that people today will share with us what they've done in their heart with you in jesus name amen and amen